Steve, Sean, thank you so much uh, for the chance to talk to you. I really appreciate it. Um, Satan Wants You is terrifying and fun and horrifying at the same time. <laughs> A perfect combination. Yeah, we've heard. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I'm not gonna lie. There, I feel like I kind of lived through it. Like I, I, not that I didn't live through that, but like I remember those days, right, where every the the devil's behind every tree, and so which is one of the reasons I was so excited about this film because I was like, I, I, I'm, I didn't know about the book per se before I got before we got in the film, um, but it was one of those those ideas, those themes, and that era was when I was really growing up. Um, how, how did you guys come in to be a part of the film? Yeah, I mean, this for me, so I grew up in Victoria, uh, BC. So this you know, is where it was ground zero for satanic cults uh, in the 80s. This is where Michelle uh, Smith and Larry Pazder, the authors of Michelle Remembers, this is where they lived. This is where they met. This is where all the therapy sessions happened. And my family moved there shortly after the book was published and it was everywhere, right? So when you're talking, you have your own experience, me too. It's like that growing up at that time, the constant fear was that you're going to get abducted, right? People in black clothes, don't go to the cemetery, avoid all of this in town. And, uh, you know, it was funny for us because all of this happened when you're a kid, when I was a kid. And then it goes away because, you know, it's been decades since then. And when the book came back into her life, it was like, holy, this has touched millions and millions and millions of people around the world, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just a little small story from Victoria. It's this huge, huge story. Yeah. And when we were first researching, when when the book came back through a different re a different project that we were working on, uh, at, at the time, QAnon was really big and Pizzagate was happening. And we we saw what was happening with the satanic panic, or we saw what had happened with the satanic panic. And we saw what was happening at that time. And we're like, wow, we, we didn't realize that the connection was like so close. So we really wanted to, to make the film. Well, I, I have to ask, how is it possible that one book or is it is it I know that one book caused so much destruction? Like, and is it really just this book? Like. I mean, it must have tapped into so much, something else. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole, but like, you know, this was one of the, it's Sarah Marshall, uh, another podcaster from You're Wrong About, who was, was a participant in the film. She calls Michelle Remembers a patient zero. Yeah. So it's not necessarily that, you know, we just lived through a pandemic. So everyone knows this terminology, right? It starts with a one and then it grows and then slowly and then suddenly it's out of control. So there, there were all these factors before the book that they just took and like basically put them all together into this recipe that like blew up. Yeah, it just, it hit at the right time. And every, it was just like the perfect conditions. And it was basically just like a, a forest fire after. And it's like all these, like, you know, like the, the religious horror movies. So Rosemary Baby, Rosemary's Baby, The Exorcist. There's like, you know, the Manson murders. There's the Church of Satan that was founded before this. All of these factors were happening, and they were just the first people who put it all together in a package that people wanted to read. Yeah, it, it's amazing because it seems like all these other things may have been going on, but this is the thing that went, and then it, like Mission Impossible, you know what I mean? That that fuse going across the screen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it's funny because I'd never heard of, I'd never heard of the book, but I've heard of everything else, like everything else you're talking about. Uh, in the film and just now, obviously I'm familiar with, but okay. Now I, 
I know that she doesn't appear in the film. Did you speak to Michelle or based on the stories you've heard, like what, what do you think of her? I mean, we did reach out. Uh, we wanted her to participate and tell her side of the story and, and ask her like how, how she feels about everything now. Um, unfortunately, she didn't want to participate and I, I can understand why it's a big part of her past and getting into that might've been tricky for her. Um, but yeah, I mean, it would have been really great to just like actually have a conversation about it and find out like, because like from her side, it must have been like an insane ride, you know? And I think too, that, I mean, the other thing with our film, we found a lot of archive of Michelle and Larry, uh, the psychiatrist. So this, they are present in the film, like they are present and a presence throughout. And you watch them over the course of, a, you know, 10, 15 years. And what actually happens to them unfolds on screen. And another thing that we really wanted to do too, the family members, right? So this we read ton of research that we put into this project. And as we got deeper and deeper, you just realize, hey, there's this whole other side of the story that's never ever been told that the family had never gone on record and spoken about it. They weren't invited on, you know, all those daytime talk shows in the 80s and 90s to be like no no this is you know so and so is just making this all up but it's that for us was huge is, is getting uh larry's ex-wife his daughter michelle's younger sister uh larry's literary assistant michelle's best friend to come on and say okay here's the other side mm -hmm. right well i mean as we all know 80s geraldo had so much credibility so i you know it's <laughs> <laughs> there there is so much like oh so much respect for that show back in that day uh, no. <laughs> it's, it's crazy that right like there's a part of the story that is so ridiculous that it is latin like we you know have we done these screenings at south by southwest and other festivals in the u.s and finally coming to canada now the like it's shocking to hear how much people laugh like there's a part of this that's really funny mm -hmm. but then there's also that part even with Geraldo right like yeah it's ridiculous but then like 40 million people watched that show and a huge portion of those people believed it yeah. believed this was true and happening in their communities and then suddenly there's more cases and more accusations and more people put on trial more people going to prison like it's mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the insane. That was absolutely insane watching this part and just hearing the like the j the 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 imprisonment, the jail time that was resulting from all of these things. Well, I, I'd love to talk about the sale of fear uh, with mm -hmm. you guys because that's a big theme in this one. With that in mind, how, how do you know if something or isn't true? What and what does it mean to to make make money and fame based on the back of fear? I mean, I think that's been happening forever. Um, it, people, it, it motivates people and it scares people and it gets them to to think in different ways. Uh, like fear is a really powerful emotion. Um, I, I always just wonder, like from both Larry and Michelle's perspective, um, like did they believe it? Were they caught up so far in the lie that like the lie had gone too far and there was no looking back? And did they eventually just come to like sit with it? Or did they always know in the back of their minds that this wasn't true? I've always been curious about that. And I just I, will probably never know. It's funny though that you said the selling of fear because there's something very human about that, right? Like story, just storytelling itself, right? Story telling functions on so many different levels there's the level of like sharing information there's the level of sharing experience which is all very positive then there's that other part of storytelling where you're like i don't like this person and i'm going to tell a story about them might be true 
but uh, you also might make something up to ruin them, right? And then the, that idea of selling that kind of story for profit is another part of storytelling where you can make up a tale that demonizes a whole bunch of people and you're going to prey on people's fear and make a ton of money about it. And here we are, stories are great, but they're also terrible, right? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, you know, and I mean, there's the later on the film, there's discussion about the, you know, the church's involvement in in this and it's it's insane and i remember growing up hearing stories of don't don't play dungeons and dragons or you know you'll get possessed or if you listen to this band backwards they or if you don't listen to them backwards then you will get possessed and and it like it was insane it was just an insane time and yet and and yet we see like the the church in this era seems to have been profiting off of the terror in a different way than even Michelle was with Michelle and and uh, Larry were with the book. It, and I mean, they were directly caught up in the book, though. It's like one of the first people who got behind them and you read it in Michelle Remembers Itself were the local priests at the Catholic Church and then the Vic Bishop of Victoria, where this all happened. And then they take it to the Pope. Like, it's just like there's buy-in from the very beginning, right? Yeah. Whereas this is the story that's going to do something for all of us. Yeah. And that actually happened. They actually went to the Vatican. Yeah. Yeah. They, they got a meeting with the Pope. I, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I, I have no words for that. For that. Like that is unbelievable to me. Unbelievable to me. Um, I, I, I honestly, I that when that when that happens in the film, I was just my jaw dropped because it's just such a wild level of, 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 just insanity. I mean, it's just it's it's so much. Um, what is? I'm still thinking about it now. Sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. I lost my train of thought. I'm like. The Vatican. Anyway, uh, um, one of the comments that was made, I thought it was really interesting towards the end of the film. They talk about making your own hell. Um, I was wondering what that what that means to you. It's if you try the quote is if you try to take someone else's happiness away, everyone's going to be happy around here. You make your own hell here on this earth. I'm wondering what that means to you. I think it's just it's a, a like a cautionary tale it is a, a way that how you set your life up and if you surround yourself with like honesty and friendship and relationships that are valuable you can create your own heaven here um but if you have terrible relationships and you lie to everybody and you don't respect anybody you can make your own hell here too right i think there's also that storytelling component to this too right the stories that you tell construct your reality yeah so there is you know this stories are also just not just stories they have real world, world consequences even when the stories you're telling aren't re real right like that's you can construct your own hell literally just by being yourself yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's it. I love that. I love that. And with, I mean, one of the things I, I love about the film, too, is it sort of ties, it grounds the events of the 60s and 70s and 80s today. And I'm just wondering for for you both, in what ways do you still see the echoes of Michelle Remembers in 2023? 
I mean, I, I feel like it's more of a, a shout right now than an echo. It's uh, if since the the 2018 from QAnon and Pizzagate, it just seems to have intensified. It seems to be like much more in the culture, uh, especially in the states, uh, with like um, singling out drag queens, singling out the, the trans community. Um, really trying to other them and saying that these are the bad people. This is wrong. Who are um, grooming children and are pedophile. Like it's the same thing yeah. all over again. And, and I think one of the things that like people just don't realize is when you've been accused of abusing children, it sticks with you for a long time um, and it can ruin your life. And when, when people are doing this and they're going out and like vilifying people like this, it's it really destroys their lives and it's something that like is very important and i and i want people to like understand that after they see the film yeah it, it's it's terrifying because of course at the time like absolutely in every way 100 like you want to protect you want to protect children you want to protect 100 like that's not even a question um but these stories that came out i mean they just so many of them were were not true uh, yeah. like it was completely like the stuff that they were saying that was happening in the daycare centers was just like like it could not even happen in real life like people were flying around on brooms and babies were being flushed down toilets that would end up in mexico like it just it just it was stuff that was so crazy yet people believed it yeah it's it's wild it's wild um i wanted to ask you too there's an interesting comment in the film about about churchianity uh, I was just wondering what 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 is churchianity? I thought that was a great great line. Churchianity, I think, is just really like the business of the church, and if you, like there's the ability to to make a lot of money, and the easiest way to make money is to scare people into the pews, and when it becomes more about the the money side of things and less about what the actual religion is supposed to stand for i think that's when you find yourself in churchianity land it's, i mean getting scared in the pews as a financial incentive for the church right so my i grew up in a catholic family who have since left the church but they wanted 10 percent of my father's wages right this is you know a man with four young children and etc cetera, etc cetera. And then you repeat that over and over for every member of the congregation. That's it's money, mm -hmm. right? I thought you were saying repeat it over and over for every, every member of the family. I was like, wow, that, <laughs> that, that's a business. 60% of our income. Oh my word. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Um, <laughs> well, I, it, it really is. An incredible film and it really is a wild ride i for for you both what is it that you hope people take away from it um well i'm a little more cynical i think i know that you kind of have some hopeful messaging around it um but i just i, I want people to see that it, it's happened in the past it's happening now it'll probably happen in the future this is a part of being human mm. Um, and as long as we can recognize that and kind of understand it i, I think we'll have an easier time living in the world that we live um for you you think it's about standing up and well there's like the you know a character or a participant in the film a real life person who the uh former police detective who is also wiccan so a wiccan police detective from yeah. vancouver uh charles ennis where he's like he just really clearly lays it out and why he did his investigations for 15 years it's we all have a responsibility to stand up and say something about this when people are lying or mi misrepresenting the truth or uh scapegoating people you have to say this is wrong this is false 
again and again. It's not just enough to do it once. I mean, you're seeing it today again, like Steve said, with tr the transgender community, with drag queens in the US. It is, you know, it's serious, right? Like it's scary getting death threats. People are threatening them coming. It takes all of us to stand up and say no, right? And we can do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, yeah, and, and I love, he's actually my favorite voice in the film because he seems to be the only one saying, yeah, but uh, I, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> one thing after another it's just sort of like well you know and yeah no that was not it uh, yeah. <laughs> he's one of ours too he's yeah he's a great guy oh i really appreciate your time thank you so much i uh, wish you the best of the festival and uh thanks so much for chatting i really appreciate it yeah that's great thanks for having us thanks for watching too absolutely absolutely anytime have a great day yeah you too see you later